Welcome to Asphalt Talk. Are you an asphalt professional? Have you ever wished for interesting stories about paving to tell around the dinner table? Does the thought of creating a safe and aesthetically pleasing road make you warm and fuzzy inside? Then this is the podcast for you. Each episode will tackle real industry challenges to pave a smoother way for asphalt suppliers and producers. This podcast is sponsored by MAPA, the Missouri Asphalt Pavement Association. Founded to promote quality and accountability, MAPA has been serving the asphalt producers of Missouri since 1990. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Asphalt Talk. I'm your host, Dale Williams, with the Missouri Asphalt Pavement Association. Today, we're sitting down with Joe Fingerhut, who will be the keynote speaker for the upcoming MAPA Annual Black to Basic Spring Training. The spring training will take place on February 22nd and 23rd at the Holiday Inn Executive Center in Columbia, Missouri. More information about the training and registration details can be found at moasphalt.org under the event tab. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Dale. Very excited to be here and very excited to, to see you all in person shortly. Yeah, so today I'd like to give the spring training attendees a little preview of what they might expect to take away from your keynote, How Can I? Mindset of Success. But before we get into that, let's find a little bit about you, Joe. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am a St. Louis, Missouri native. I was born and raised here. Um, I uh, traveled, uh, I explored for a number of years, different countries stuff, and then ended up settling here. Um, I have a wife and two kids. Uh, We just started middle school and high school. Um, I'm a professional speaker and I travel all around the country. working with organizations, giving keynotes and workshops. And then when I'm not traveling, if I am available and requested, I do a number of entertainment engagements here in St. Louis. Great. So so how did you get into public speaking? The seed was planted in college. Um, a speaker named Patrick Combs came to our school. I went to Loyola University, Chicago. And... You know, I was really into sports and I was like, man, I want to be an NBA star. And I don't, didn't even make the teams that I was in my schools. And so that was not in the cards. And I felt like that was the only thing that I'm like, man, I will give up anything to do that. And then the speaker came and I was like, wait, what did he just do? Because he talked for an hour about, uh, he, he wrote a book called Major in Success about getting the most out of your college experience and landing the job of your dreams. And it was an amazing presentation. I was like, hold on that's a job, that's a career. So I actually kept in touch with him, but that took about 12 years to actually, like it was in my head and then finally came around to like, wait, why am I not doing that? I wanna do that. And then um, I started uh, the whole process of, I mean, I was living my message, which is how can I? I started calling, uh, when I went to a conference, I would get in touch with the speaker and say, how do you do this? Like, how do you build this? and then I called um, the the first couple steps. I called some of my teacher friends, and I was like, "Can I practice? Can I come to your class? Just practice delivering a message." And so that got me comfortable. That taught me kind of what works, you know, what stories and jokes and different things. And then um, gradually, they uh, the, that process connected me to a couple events, um, and I started getting in front of actual audiences. So that's how I got started. That's uh, that's an interesting story. So when you're not out inspiring people, what are some of your favorite hobbies? Um, I Well, I mentioned I like to entertain. So uh, when I'm not speaking, 
after college, I, uh, I taught English in Japan. So I'm very passionate about traveling and learning about different countries. And, um, but I came back, we got, I got married, I met a woman from Japan. We got married. We came back home to St. Louis. I really was focused on being in front of people. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I wanted to be in front of people. So gradually, um, the answers came to the question, how can I, um, my DJ at our wedding was awesome. And I was like, well, I want to do that. How can I do that? So a month later, he started training me. So that was about, I mean, I've been married for, uh, we just celebrated our 18th anniversary. So for the last 18 years, I've been DJing. So I DJ weddings and parties and pool parties, proms, anniversaries. It's great. I don't DJ as much as I used to because I'm primarily speaking now, but I still do it. And then um, a couple months into that DJing, I was like, I gotta get another job because people don't get married during the week. So I answered a wanted ad in the newspaper that said after school magic instructor wanted one to four hours a week, we teach you the tricks. So I became an instructor in this after school program in summer camps. And then I became one of the main performers of shows. And so like, those are my side jobs, but they're kind of my hobbies because I love to do it. And um, there's all kinds of wrinkles. Like I'll walk to my kid's bus stop on stilts sometimes. And um I, uh, I, my, my kids, I, t I coached my daughter's basketball team. So that's a hobby. And, um, whenever I coach, um, part of what I want to, uh, introduce that team to is juggling. So I taught my, I coached my son for four years before he went into high school. So I always make a lesson, at least one or two practices where this doesn't have to do with basketball necessarily, but we're juggling. And, uh, so I can be like, you can always say my junior high school basketball coach taught me how to juggle. That, that's funny. I, uh, I'm always impressed by you, by folks that are able to juggle. I can barely juggle one ball. I can't. It's hard. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Oh, and I like trampoline parks. That's one of my hobbies. I love jumping on a trampoline. It's just, it's my happy place. It's amazing. And um, I, I, if I'm in a different city, sometimes I like to seek the, out a trampoline park in that city. It's kind of fun. They are fun to go to been to those number of times with my kids yep. usually as a spectator though oh yeah 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 it gets a little trickier as we get older <laughs> yeah so what what's the most interesting aspect of being a public speaker well the travel certainly is incredible um i have been able to learn about different parts of this country and um a couple of other countries so um i'd say that's that's right up there um for example like when you go to california the conversations that you have with people, you can talk about things like the water situation and they are just introducing this concept to you that you just have no idea. Like, wait, what is it? Like, talk about, what is that? Um, that's just one example of when you get to go to that place, you get to see the geography, you get to experience the culture and get to learn about people. Um, but I think the most interesting thing about being a speaker is just how universal the um the the application of a useful message is um i i talk i talk about the shift in mindset from i can't to how can i and i end up i actually talk about that with kids so i do uh, presentations for teens sometimes i do uh, educational assemblies for junior high school and elementary and then i also do trainings and workshops and keynotes like i am for you all for like professionals adults and um, 
just the uh, the way it's received and the applica the application of that message um, is really fascinating. And it's just a matter of delivery a lot of times. Some people are like, well, how do you what do you say to adults and, and how do you how does that change with students and kids? And it's like, well, actually, it's pretty much the same message, but I tweak it. Like, I'm not going to talk to you all about being a senior in high school, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going right. to talk about working with a team or dealing with clients, um, doing the best you can with your coworkers and the people around you. So that's probably the most interesting thing is being able to adapt the message to really deliver a powerful experience to each audience, no matter the age, the size, or the location of the group. Hmm. That's, uh, that's neat. And now a public service announcement from our sponsor, May Create Design. Google Translate doesn't work for web designer to paving company translations. You say hot mix and it thinks you're talking about the latest snack craze. Wouldn't it be nice to work with a designer who knows the difference between binders and bitumen? Work with folks who have been speaking your language for the past 17 years. Visit maycreate.com. That's M-A-Y-E create.com. Because if you think your website sucks, so does everyone else. So I don't really want to steal your thunder for the training. Sure. But part of what you plan to discuss is the shift in mindset from I can't to how can I? What made you decide to make the shift? So I'm going to share something on here that I probably won't share in the uh, the keynote presentation. I, I might refer to it, but um, I, when looking back, I first kind of learned this lesson the first week of high school, and I will tell that story in the keynote. But one thing that really changed was this was a lesson that I kind of arrived at by looking back and kind of examining the process that I used to explore and accomplish a lot in my life. So for example, um, I really wanted to explore life outside of St. Louis. And I wanted to, uh, I found Loyola University of Chicago. I was like, I was a big Michael Jordan fan, a Bulls fan. I wanted to go to school there. So I went to Loyola and then I wanted to explore life outside of America. And I don't come from like this jet setting family. And so I was like, how can I get, how can, how can I do this? And so I bought a plane ticket and a backpack and I flew to Europe. I flew to Paris, France after college and I backpacked for 10 weeks by myself. Totally freaked my parents out. Um, I just, I got this book on how to do it. And it was that trip where I was like, nobody ever told me that this was possible. Like I, I felt like I kind of had to discover this on my own. And I was like, well, if I can do this, what else can I do? And if I want to do other things, what's what's that process? And I just found myself, wait, how have I gotten to this point? And it was just simply answering questions. You know, it, it's real easy to just come to that roadblock and be like, well, here's why I can't. I might as well not do it. But then it was just like, what what is the process I keep asking myself? And it just simplified down to how can I? Just continuing to ask that question. If you're faced with a problem, faced with an obstacle, there's a way around it. There's a way over it, around it, under it, through it. But there's a way to answer that question, to figure out that next step. And I realized that's what I've been doing for years. So then I started incorporating it into the message that I was delivering. And um, it was really well received and universal. So can you describe how you made the shift? How I made the shift. So it's just a matter of like commitment and passion of as far as like you, you have a goal, right? And it's just, it's not really like this shift. It's just this you realize that 
you're so focused on the solution that you're not going to take no for an answer. Um, or if the answer is no, then what is the alternative? So I guess I'm kind of, I've kind of been wired that way. So my parents were really proactive and really positive thinking growing up. My dad probably still thinks that uh, I, I could, if I really buckled down, I could have a chance uh, at making an NBA team or something. I'm like, dad, what? <laughs> right? So he's very supportive, right? Um, but it was not so much the shift for me as it was recognizing the process and identifying that. And so when I talk about the shift, a lot of times it's encouraging people to identify that process. The way our minds work, it's just naturally focused on Oh, that's the reason why you can't. So when you recognize it, so that's how you make the shift is first recognizing that mindset and then being able to like, well, I wonder if I thought about it differently. If I just thought, how can I? Then you start approaching things with questions and you're constantly in the state of learning. I think I answered your question. At the <laughs> no, no, absolutely. How, so how long do you think it took you to see results? Well, it happened over the course. Well, I'll just, I, I can, I can say a little bit about this cause it'll be a totally different. It happened over the course of a semester in, in the first semester of high school. I mean, um, the first week of high school, uh, a teacher was like, you have to juggle in this class. Like it's a requirement to juggle. And we were all collectively just like, what? No, none of it. We can't No." And it was just his approach to it. It was like, no, no, no. just go with me on this. Here's how you do it. You start with the basics and then you try this and then you add that. And, and so we were all very, you know, kind of cynical. Was, all right, fine. I guess we, if we have to, and then it was just, all right, well, let's try it. Let's follow it. So, I mean, I can say over the course of a semester, but really it can be instant when you realize that that's how your mind's working. I mean, it can, you can just think about what are some of the things you want to do in your life? What are some of the challenges that you're facing? Maybe your family's facing or your team's facing. And the second you decide to change that, it's not you, that you see results necessarily because it's not always about the results, but it's about the approach to finding those results and finding what works. And, and part of that's finding what doesn't work and finding other possibilities. So kind of depends on the person. Um, for me, like I said, it took, you know, a week or two to just like, okay, buy into this process. And then we went forward. So do you have anything else you'd like to share about what the participants might expect to take away at, after the conference or after the keynote speech? Yeah, I, uh, I appreciate your group and I love learning about a new organization. Um, one of the first um, opportunities that I had to speak to the, like a professional association was the, the Missouri Association of public purchasing i didn't know anything about public purchasing i couldn't know, didn't know how to define it but i got to learn about them and then i got to bond with them and connect with them and that's what i'm looking for with your group the pavers like i want to know a little bit more about you all and explore and learn and um what i want to provide is a powerful connection and a powerful impact as far as an affirmation of the path that you all are on a validation of the work that you all do and an appreciation for the people you both work with and you serve. And hopefully I can provide a spark in the mindset of how you approach everything that you do 
to keep it going and keep you thriving and keep you successful. Great. We can't wait to see you, Joe. Um, where can the audience find you? Are you on social media, website? Absolutely. Uh, my website is just my name, Joe Finger Hut, finger like on your hand, H-U-T dot com. And I'm on most of, if not all the social medias. Uh, actually, I'm not on TikTok yet. I don't know if pavers are big in a TikTok, but I'm not. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Joe Finger Hut. Should be pretty easy. Okay. Any parting thoughts as we wrap up? As you find challenges in your day, instead of focusing on the reasons why you can't do something, I just want to challenge it. And I'm going to talk about this at the conference too, but that's this is what I do. This is my message. Just consider changing your approach and just asking, you know what? How can I? It sounds so simple, but it can be so powerful. Hope that helps. It, it does, Joe. I. Um, I appreciate you taking the time and I just like to say thank you for listening to Asphalt Talk, the podcast by and for asphalt professionals. If you enjoyed listening and learned something, please leave us a review. Your review will help us connect with other professionals like yourself so we can keep the conversation going. 1992 called, they want their website back. Stop apologizing for your crappy site and stop working with that company who thinks hot mix is the latest snack craze. Work with folks who have been speaking your language for the past 17 years. And get a website that's not a gigantic pain in the you-know-what to build. Visit maycreate.com, that's M-A-Y-E create.com, for a free consultation and quote. Because if you think your website sucks, so does everyone else.